Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Good morning. We are days away from greeting 2024. Joining me as we break down all the market action, we were talking about resolutions, Ryan Huang, for 2024. What's yours? Yeah, I am going to, I suppose be more diligent about keeping to my timetables. So ah. what happens these days is that the lines get blurred between days and you know, hours as well, parts of the day. You know, so it kind of makes me get detracted from what I'm supposed to do. So if I have a clearer, I guess, suppose, I suppose a plan in place, a timetable of sorts, that will help me keep track, keep on track on my... To do this. What an excellent idea. I think we're all facing fragmentation of attention. So just, you know, keeping your promises to yourself on your to-do lists and compartmentalizing mm. sounds great. How about you, Michelle? I'm going to care less. How is that going to work? <laughs> I'm going to care less on the roads when I signal and somebody speeds up knowing I have two centimeters to get into the right oh, lane. All right. You know, because that always makes me think, what an unfair world. Why don't people just be kind to each other? Why are traffic rules so different here compared to other places in the world? And then I realize that I'm stewing in my own car and I've wasted a lot of energy. Yeah, and the other cars moved on already. Like, uh, I have a friend who plays this game with, with he, he looks at it as a game. So he says, Michelle, instead of signaling and expecting them to slow down, I signal expecting them to move forward. Well, okay. Yeah. Well, let me know how that plays out for you. <laughs> Caring less. We begin this morning in uh, the world that I do care a lot about, Big Pharma. With the clock ticking down to 2023, two of the world's most prominent pharmaceutical companies, AstraZeneca and Bristol-Myers Squibb, have snuck in billion-dollar acquisitions just days before the end of the year. Together, these deals are worth more than $5 billion U.S. dollars. Bristol-Myers Squibb accounts for most of that spend, so let's start with it. The Princeton-based company is paying $4.1 billion U.S. dollars to buy a cancer drug business. Who is it acquiring? Yeah, some holiday shopping going on in the pharma space. And you've got... A deal to buy Raise Bio for $4.1 billion to bolster its cancer drug business. And worth noting, it is the second multi-billion dollar deal struck by the drug maker in less than a week. So it's really just splashing the cash these days to cough up or to beef up its department of stuff it can make money from in time to come because a lot of its old stuff, the patents are going to expire later on this decade. So it is trying to figure out what's next for it. This is Bristol-Myers Squibb's second billion-dollar purchase in less than a week. On Friday, it announced a 14 billion U.S. dollar buyout of the schizophrenia drug developer Karuna Therapeutics. Both deals come on the heels of a leadership change at Bristol-Myers Squibb. Chris Berner took over the helm at BMS just two months ago. Let's take a look at our second big pharma deal this morning. I'm looking at AstraZeneca paying 1.2 billion U.S. dollars for a Chinese company. They're called Graycell biotechnologies. This deal is expected to strengthen AstraZeneca's presence in China, which is its second biggest market. And like BMS, AstraZeneca is investing in its cancer-fighting business. So exciting. What's the latest here? Yeah, so this is going to enrich Astra's pipeline with a so-called CAR-T therapy that is going to help modify a patient's own 
immune cells to fight cancer. So this is, again, going to beef up AstraZeneca's pipeline of revenue streams when it comes to cancer therapy. Just amazing. Shares of the two acquisition targets soared overnight. Raise Bio share price doubled, while Grace Cell Biotech jumped 60%. Investor reaction towards the acquiring companies a little bit more muted from the looks of things. Bristol Myers squibbed down 1.6%. AstraZeneca shares finished marginally higher. So let's take a step back. What do you make of these multi billion dollar? pharmaceutical deals it certainly looks like the big players have money to spend they're not scared to spread that powder yeah it does look like we could be in for more i think uh, if you've been tracking the pharma space in terms of news um, a lot of patents are going to expire in time to come so there is likely to be some land grabbing of sorts people trying to snap up some of the smaller guys some consolidation as well mm-hmm. so it's going to be a lot of mna happening perhaps and even more so when you think about the tailwinds from lower interest rates next year. So that is all going to come in to make a more conducive environment for acquisitions or even m and For sure. We're seeing signs of that already. Today's acquisitions by Bis- Bristol-Myers Squibb and AstraZeneca follow on the heels of other billion-dollar biotech deals. You remember back in October, Eli Lilly bought a radio pharmaceutical firm while AbbVie recently struck two deals worth nearly 20 billion U.S. dollars. All right, from Big Pharma, let's swing over to the U.S. where concerns about a decline in holiday spending appears to have been misplaced. Early data from the MasterCard Spending Pulse indicates that American consumers actually spent more this year in the week before Christmas than they did a year earlier. The rate of growth wasn't that big, but any growth is actually better than expected. Uh, So if we take a step back for the past year, a number of economists have been talking about this vibe session, a self-fulfilling prophecy in which negative expectations lead to an actual recession, right? Do the latest numbers mean the vibe session is coming to an end? Yeah, it is really around the question, is the glass half full or half empty? If you look at the latest numbers, you've got more optimistic people. The consumer confidence numbers for December jumped to a five-month high of a reading of 110. So if you look into that, that is a fresh sign of optimism that you've got investors starting to... Well, not be so grumpy like before, not mm-hmm. so negative. Mm-hmm. And you think about how perceptions can shape reality, you know, they think, mm-hmm. hey, maybe I won't buy that new car or the new house or that new whatever. Mm-hmm. That can have an impact on the economy. So if you have a turnaround sentiment, you could see people starting to spend and then businesses starting to pick up and wages go up. You no, know, it kind of feeds on itself. So that is quite encouraging. It is. Uh, on Wall Street overnight, stocks finished higher during a quiet post-Christmas trading session. Look at the Nasdaq. It rose half a percent. The Dow and S&P 500 were not far behind. The S&P 500, meanwhile, is getting closer and closer to its all-time high set two years ago. It'll break that market where it rises another half percent. The index is also enjoying its longest winning streak in seven years. That's eight straight weeks of Again, hurrah. Let's turn to China now. Yesterday, we talked about China's route, uh, Friday's route in Chinese gaming stocks following the introduction of new draft rules to rein in the sector. The introduction, NetEase tumbled 28% on Friday, 10 cents, lit as much as 16%. That's its biggest intraday fall in 15 years. Uh, UBS is warning that the new proposed rules could end up hurting small developers much, much more than the big guys. 
So now China's game developers are trying to reassure investors and how are they doing this? Yeah, by bringing back some optimism with share buybacks. So the share buybacks provide a bit of a flaw, some support for share prices. It does seem to be working to some extent. For example, if we look at Shanghai listed GBIS Network Technology Xiamen, their shares rose 3% yesterday after losing 13% in the prior two trading days. And you had Shenzhen listed Perfect World. They were down 14% in the prior two days before, well, I guess trimming some of the losses, just dropping 2% in the latest session. So there is, I suppose, some support, some optimism coming back that you've got share buybacks giving a floor to share prices. At least eight Chinese gaming companies have announced these share buyback plans and they plan to spend nearly 800 million yen. That's about 1.45 million dollars. Imagine that. If we take a step back, let's think back to the beginning of the year. 2023 was supposed to be a bullish year for Chinese equities. This was to be the year that the Chinese economy roared back from the pandemic, but it didn't happen. Instead, the CSI 300 is down nearly 15% from the beginning of the year. Goldman Sachs is amongst the companies that got burned by Chinese stocks. Now, one of Goldman's top officials says he's learned a couple of big lessons too, in fact, from being on the wrong side of Chinese equities. What are those lessons, Ryan? Yeah, interesting lessons. And of course, a lot of people got it wrong when it came to China. It did make sense in the beginning. Some it seemed like common sense, right? China's coming back after the COVID restrictions. Yeah. You will have people going shopping, going traveling. But I suppose you can't really predict people. The sentiment was just not as strong. People stayed at home a bit more, did not spend as much. And traveling was limited to domestic travel in China, not so much international travel. So that didn't play out as strongly as what people were hoping for. So the two lessons that Goldman took away, one is that you have what's called emerging markets and you have emerging markets ex-China. So you've got to look at it in terms of two different um, lenses. And the other lens or the other lesson they took away is that broader EM markets or emerging markets can be quite resilient despite headwinds that have been coming forth in the past year like the aggressive rate hiking cycle by the Fed, a strong US dollar, a slowing China, typically you might think it's a perfect storm of bad reasons or bad factors for emerging markets. But it looks like emerging markets rallied anyway, up 16% this year. And this is beating um, the 4.4% increase for the MSCI EM benchmark index where China is included. So that gives you an indication how much China is a bit of a drag when it comes to emerging market performance. So when you're thinking about emerging markets, it might be worth looking at emerging markets ex China as mm. an investment option if you're not too bullish about China. I imagine a number of investors are going to be more cautious about Chinese stocks in 2024, although it seems they're always China bulls. So which side of the fence do you expect you're going to be when it comes to Chinese stocks in the new year? Yeah, the common refrain is... Chinese stocks look pretty cheap right now. Will it get cheaper? Maybe. Uh, if you're a long-term investor, it does make sense to be in China at some point. So as always, very tough to time mm. the market uh, when things rally or pick up 
you would typically be too late to jump on a bandwagon. So you've always got to be, to some extent, stay invested in the market. So look to diversify. You can't always predict everything. So I think that's a lesson for me. Always diversify. Yeah, depends on your time horizon and what your overall view is of China in the long term. Time now for corporate news. We do it up or down style. Let's look at MicroStrategy. They're a software company focused on business intelligence. But it really started to catch the public's eye about three years ago when MicroStrategy started hoarding on, on Bitcoins. Yeah, MicroStrategy of its own strategy. <laughs> uh, pretty much a separate business altogether, just investing in Bitcoin. And as you might imagine, it can be quite volatile. Um, some months it was a poster boy for doing the wrong things. But at the end of the year, it is looking quite pretty. It is sitting on a 337% gain when it comes to stock price. And that is in part due to how much it's sitting on its Bitcoin stash. So it began buying Bitcoin sometime in mid-2020 and it's now worth about $7.65 billion. So it's been riding the Bitcoin frenzy and last I checked, Bitcoin was at $42,000 per coin, just slightly under that level. Uh, who knows what's in store next year? Mm-mm. Uh, so MicroStrategy's fortune has soared, plummeted, soared again with Bitcoin's value. MicroStrategy's share price has more than quadrupled since the start of the year, which makes it one of the best performing large cap stocks in the US. So while investors should be prepared for a roller coaster if Bitcoin tumbles again, coming off 40,000, I'll give MicroStrategy an up this morning. Let's look at Intel, which uh, has some good news. Yeah, Intel has some good news. Mm. It's received a massive injection, a grant of $3.2 billion to open a new factory, uh, which is going to cost $25 billion in southern Israel. So this is an expansion of its facilities there already, and it's all in the name of building a more resilient supply chain globally. So it is going to beef up operations around the world, mm-hmm. alongside what's happening in Europe and the US. So it's going to help, um, I guess, ramp up capacity for Intel. Wow. So this grant from the Israeli government that Intel has won, it's $3 billion worth, by the way, this grant, meant to subsidize a new chip factory that it intends to build in Israel. Hmm. The factory site is about 42 kilometers from Gaza and news of Intel's expansion plans come as war rages between Israel and the Hamas-controlled territory. Investors appear to like this news though. Intel shares up more than 5% overnight. Yeah, fun fact as well. This is supposed to be uh, apparently the biggest investment into Israel by a company. Ever. Ever. Yes, indeed. Okay, let's look at Adani Green. Right, Adani Green is going to be an up for me because they have gotten board approval to raise as much as $1.12 billion Ooh. by issuing share warrants. And this, of course, as it tries to expand mm-hmm. you know, ambitious growth plans and also to help with some bond repayments next year. Mm-hmm. So more cash, always good. So I'm going up. Looking good for Adani Green. That's the renewable energy company owned by Indian billionaire Gautam Adani. And Adani and his family are planning to inject more than a billion US dollars into Adani Green. I'd look at that as a vote of confidence and give them an up this morning. Let's look at Apple. 
All right, Apple is a down for me. So I'm trying to think about the number of puns I can use here. <laughs> so time is running out. Good one. Or time's up for Apple <laughs> because of its Apple Watch problems. And if you've been following what's going on, Apple has been accused or at least the ruling from the International Trade Commission is that Apple infringed on a patent for its Apple Watch to detect blood oxygen levels that belongs to someone else, Massimo, a medical company. Well, the implications is it can't sell the Apple Watch because of the patent violation. And this kicked in at the end of Christmas Day. Now they are trying to appeal it unsuccessfully so far. So for now, they cannot sell any Apple Watches, at least the latest ones, uh, in the US. So it's going to be a lot of lost revenue opportunities and, of course, implications for future Apple Watch models as well. CNN puts it this way, the clock has wound down on the newest Apple Watch. So it's lost that patent infringement case with the ITC, the International Trade Convention Commission. And it was hoping the White House might in, ov- overturn that decision, you know, with an intervention. But it hasn't done so. So this means Apple cannot sell some of its most popular smartwatches. Definitely a down for Apple. Their share price also traded lower. Has been actually for the f- last four straight sessions. Can you still buy the watch here? Because I've lost my Apple watch. <laughs> you can buy it probably <laughs> elsewhere. Uh, worth noting as well, Apple tried to get a stay on the band, like just put things on status quo mm-hmm. uh, as it submits a redesign of the Apple Watch. Well, uh-huh. ITC threw it out the window saying, no, no deal. Uh, it is going to stick to its guns. One more local headline to highlight this morning. A UK hospitality company called DTP Infinities is set to list on the Singapore exchange via a backdoor listing. Shares of the Catalyst-listed company, 3 Synergy, have approved a reverse takeover of this company by DTP Infinities, which has 17 hotels in the UK. All right, you're with me here on Your Money with Michelle Martin. He's Ryan Huang. And for our last word, let's head to the box office. The Colour Purple has recorded the highest Christmas Day opening in 14 years, grossing more than 18 million US dollars. Film, based on a great book, by the way, is a remake of the 1985 movie, same name. That version starred Oprah and was directed by SS Steven Spielberg. They are both producers of this remake. It's an adaptation of a Broadway musical and focuses on the struggles of an African-American woman living in the US South in... The early 1900s. Did you ever watch the original version? No, I have not had a chance to read the book as well, but it does look quite heavy and I suppose it's for a more mature audience. Oh, it's uplifting. It's a beautiful story. Epic. So you've read the book, you've watched the movie. I watched the movie. I haven't read the book, ah, I have to okay. say. I'm, I have skimmed through the book. Um, but... I, I don't know how it's going to cross over into this musical format. Yesterday we were talking about changing movie habits and how superhero sequels seem to mm. be falling flat. The new Aquaman sequel, for example, uh, grossed just $28 million, cost more than $200 million to make. Uh, to be fair, though, Overseas moviegoers spent another eighty million US dollars to see Aquaman this past weekend. Just have to update you on that. Oh, okay, okay. okay. So the Color Purple did win the Pulitzer Prize for Fiction back in nineteen eighty three. So you can be assured there is a good story there. And of course, out, it's a great story. A different story apart from all the superhero action that's been hitting the cinemas. Oh, oh. What a great story. Really, uh, triumph, really. Uh, one film which has opened on Christmas Day, only one has grossed more than The Colour Purple 
you have to go back to 2009 for the answer. If you guess Sherlock Holmes, you're right. The film is about one of the world's most famous fictional detectives, which grossed nearly 25 million US dollars when it made its debut on Christmas Day 2009. Okay, so Aquaman, Color Purple, what's on your list? <laughs> what's on my list? I would probably go for watching Home Alone again. One of the classics for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> is Home Alone on the list? No, it's not. No, I wonder mm. why. But that is a good one. Macaulay Culkin all growing up now. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A W E D I O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.